Female CFO Network, the podcast. A warm welcome to our first Female CFO Network podcast. My name is Kerstin Schulz, Global Head of Tax and Customs at Bayersdorf AG, and I'm the host today. My guest and ally in today's podcast is Ute Wolf, CFO of Evonik Industries AG. Welcome, Ute. Yeah, good morning, Kerstin. Very nice to talk to you. So what is the podcast today about? First, we would like to share some hard facts on our CVs and some soft facts, experiences and key success factors there on our journey in our career. Next, we want to dive into our view on diversity, especially women in finance and why young female talents should think about a career in finance. We would also like to especially discuss about networks, how networks help develop over time and how to build networks. And finally, we also want to focus a bit on role models and how we as leaders can foster women in finance career paths. So Ute, would you give some hard facts and soft key success factors of your career, some turns in the road and what you perceived throughout your past until today? Yeah, with pleasure. Thank you very much. I grew up in the eastern part of Germany when there was still another social system. So I grew up behind the Iron Curtain, so to speak. I studied mathematics very much for the reason that I was relatively flexible with that. So it was a very facts-oriented subject, of course. And I was flexible afterwards with my job. So that was a main driver for me in that choice. And that is also a pattern which appears later. Then the wall came down. And of course, for me, the question was, so what to do now? What is my qualification worth? What can I do? And I started as a trainee at Deutsche Bank. Maybe a little bit of an incident uh, because I visited yeah, like a, a university fair from them where they just showed the possibilities, uh, the opportunities you have. And again, a lot of flexibility, a lot of different jobs that I could do. And that's why I started there. Of course, it was completely new for me. So I really had to adapt so adaptability, I think, is also very important when you make a career. I then joined the equity research team at Deutsche Bank and later on moved on to the OTC derivative team from where I was really hired from Deutsche Telekom. was back in mid of 90s of the last century. Deutsche Telekom got privatized and they were preparing their IPO. So the whole financial department was not existent and had to be built up. And of course, that was a very uh, thrilling and very exciting task. Uh, so I went to Bonn and uh, worked in the team there. And we had like yeah, 18 months to prepare for an IPO. And it was really a very wonderful experience. It was very efficient, very goals-oriented. There were no historical patterns to overcome. Maybe that was also a part of that good experience. For me, that was really a time when I got a lot of self-confidence in what I do and what I can achieve in the job. From there, I moved on to Metro IG, a big retailer here in Germany, and had there my first role as a leader, as a manager of a team in risk management and finance. In that stage, I also had some disappointments you know, where really when it came to career development that I have seen a woman that is very ambitious is perceived differently than a man that is uh, very ambitious. So that is something I remember from that time very well. 
And then beginning of 2006, I started at the company, which today is Evonik, first also as head of finance, reporting to the CFO. We had a lot of transformation uh, when I started. We still had hard coal mining here. So we had to separate the two parts of the company. We then had to prepare for a dual track for an IPO. And the company has changed very much, a lot of portfolio management, and is still changing today. So from that point of view, I'm now the CFO for almost nine years, but the change is going on and will go on. And I think that is also a big plus in my job, that you really can drive that change and transformation. Thank you, Ute, for yeah. your insights in your own career path. And I would like to take up some of your topics later on when we discuss the different topics on diversity, women in finance and network. But at first, I would also like to give you some insight in my CV. As finance people, we like figures. So I would like to guide you with some figures through my CV. And I would like to start very early with a because at the age of seven, my father died and my mother and my youngest sister and myself needed to reset and started a three girls family team to rock the world, to cope with the challenges you face. And that also means how should education look like? So my grandparents were of the opinion that Abitur is not needed for a girl, but I had a strong will that I want to go to the gymnasium. And key for me was the trust of my mother and my strong will to yeah, make Abitur. Then I would uh, go with 19. With 19, I finished school and started an apprenticeship as tax assistant for two and a half years. And there I learned a lot in terms of tax technical stuff, but also made my first leadership experience because I needed to onboard a 49-year-old colleague coming from a completely different industry. And it was really a challenge being 19 and onboard a colleague who is male and was 49. So this was a really... Yeah, the first step into my professional career. But at the end of this apprenticeship, I knew that uh, this is not all I want to achieve. And then I started my studies. So the next number is a four. I had four jobs and often two in parallel to finance my studies in business administration. Uh, but always with the clear goal to work internationally, to work on finance topics, to lead teams in the future and to foster, of course, my technical skills here. And what I learned there with the four jobs, I always needed to prioritize studying, earning money, but also with some private time. So this was kind of key during my studies besides all the technical stuff uh, I learned there and started to build up my network. Then um, I would like to go on with the nine. So after nine semesters um, and some internships, for example, also with Deutsche Bank in New York. So here we have a, a small peril. I finished my studies and joined KPMG to further work on my tax career, uh, working in international and national projects, applying there my knowledge from the university in real cases, work with business stakeholders of larger clients than before. And learning was there also to talk about your achievements, know who you are, know what you want, because there's no one really searching for you. So you also need to talk about uh, your performance and your achievements and then um, also ask for another or next steps in your development. The next number I would like to give you is a six. 
six years later, after passing all the exams and having worked for KPMG, I wanted to find out how corporates, that means business, really works, as I felt to only see part of the business being an advisor. So I joined Fresenius SE and Coca GAA, a big listed multinational healthcare company as tax manager. And there I was in a lucky position that the tax department was not that big at that time. And I had the chance to work on topics where structures and processes were not set at that time. Really great. Moreover, I had a boss there who gave me trust and space to develop and grow. That means growing over time, leading people, leading huge projects, especially in the area of M&A and financing, really huge projects, international projects. Having exposure to senior management and respective stakeholders, this was also very important. And learning there was having space, develop, leaving comfort zone, always being curious and having courage, even if there is a hurdle there. And finally, I acted often as a kind of deputy for the head of tax. And I asked myself if I would like to be a head of tax. And the answer was, yes, I want. And next number is 2019. In 2019, I got the offer to join Bayersdorf AG as global head of tax and customs. And finally, a position I was dreaming of and working towards too. So I was really proud. And so there we are. As a part of my passion to lead people, fostering diversity, encouraging change, I'm here today uh, with Ute to host uh, the first podcast of the CFO Female Network. And the last number I would like to give here is one. This is the first podcast being an active part uh, of. So now we would like to kick off our further agenda on diversity, women and finance, as well as network and role models. Yeah, one thing you just said is something I also can confirm. They said, well, you saw how your boss is doing the job and said, I can do this as well. So that was also in my career a very driving force that I saw the next step. Who is doing that? And I can do it myself. So have the self-confidence to do that. I think that is also a pattern that is in my career. Yeah, I think it's always good to have role models and people you can learn. Maybe also to you see people and meet people who you perceived what you don't want. Uh, it's also good to see what you want and what you don't want. And I guess this is also very key in a career to really know what you want, how to approach that and uh, what is the next step and who can help you with that. Yeah. So... Focusing on diversity and especially on women in finance, we see female quotes out there, we see pledges, so mandatory pledges and non-mandatory pledges. We have certain KPIs in terms of gender quotes and diversity are already part of performance, relevant factors also for the management. And I honestly was of the opinion 10 years ago, quotes are not the key, are not needed because this should happen without any quotes. Now I learned this is needed because you need some pressure there. How do you perceive that from your perspective? I think uh, it's a little bit of pity that the discussion is so much narrowing, so fast narrowing on, on the quota discussion because that's only one element of it. For us, we have quantitative and qualitative goals. And of course, like for any other management target, you cannot manage what you cannot measure. So from that point of view, it was natural for us to have also targets in share of women and also share of international managers. So we have two dimensions at the moment, not only gender, but also nationality. I think that is 
as important for us. And you see when you have your target quota or your target share and you don't make progress, then the organization realizes that they don't make progress. No? If you don't have that, you always have a discussion, a verbal discussion, and there are always exemptions and excuses and whatever. If you say we want to have, let's say, 25% and you are at 15 and three years later you're still at 15, then nobody can deny anymore that there is an issue and you have to work on it. From that point of view, I think to have quantitative targets, quantitative goals, also makes sense in diversity discussions. And from that point of view, I think we need them, at least for the time being. Hopefully in a couple of years, not anymore, but as today, I think they are a necessary tool, I would just say, in really improving on diversity and uh, doing that better. Yeah, I completely agree. So um, here I needed to learn that quota is something which is needed, as you mentioned, for measuring also the progress here. And it does not only start with mindset change, but also with courage. So fostering diversity also means for me uh, using new ways of working, changing routes and routes, uh, also test and learn, and also think about how finance function should look like in the future. So it's not only about the status quo, but also what you need. It's not only about yeah. gender, it's also about internationality, skill set, and all these things we need to think about also in terms of digitalization. We maybe need new skill sets and new mindsets there. So, um, But uh, looking on the gender bit, there's, uh, of course, easy to measure in terms of quota where we are and where we want to go and if you make progress there. Yeah, there is one big risk when you just focus too much on the quota that you think diversity is done or is uh, reached when the quota is right. I think from that point of view, for me, it's a tool, it's a KPI to see how, how far we got, how good we are already. But of course, it's much more. And as you said, the whole new ways of working somehow require diversity. Because if you don't have that open mindset and if you don't have also the inclusion for the talents, uh, for different talents, and I think also diversity comes hand in hand with a very clear performance orientation because you have to focus much more on performance to really be open to any talent. So I think these are very necessary steps we need to take uh, to be successful. And so for me, diversity and inclusion is a supporting initiative and is not a self-fulfilling fact or self-fulfilling idea. Yeah, completely agree. It's also for me a bit about um, diversity when we focus on finance to open up different career paths. Often if you want to uh, step up in finance, you need to have a certain steps uh, in the row. And, and this is also interesting for me how you perceive that because I'm now expert within the finance function. And if I would love to become a CFO, for example, this would not be the natural talent pool going to the head of tax searching for a CFO. How do you perceive that? Because often these roles are having certain steps, having parsed uh, certain departments. But honestly, 
if I would uh, think about a tax expert, he or she needs to be uh, in all areas of the business, um, taxes in every P&L line item. For example, transfer pricing is completely mirroring the business, all transactions, value chain from the top line to the bottom line. But I know CFO who was a former head of tax, for example. Is that also something in terms of diversity, diverse career passes for you? That's a very valid point that you raise because I was in finance and there are also not so many CFOs who come from the finance, but at least we have some in Germany. So from that point of view, there is a certain a standard career path you have to take, which departments and you have to be outside Germany, you have to be abroad and so on, have a global career. So I think that's the normal pattern. But I think there are always uh, people who can also have the full skill set and not having passed that pattern. So from that point of view, I would very much also plea to say, well, okay, there is a standard pattern what you expect, but there are always people who have a different approach. You could also say it's somebody who comes completely from a business function. So I think we should be open to that and should really look at the person because besides the formal career steps you have, a lot is personality from my point of view. Dedication, determination, professional quality standards that you want to have. You have to communicate with the capital markets. You have to communicate Internally, so you really need a lot of adaptability on your stakeholder that you talk to, that you address the things to. You need to have very complicated decisions or decisions on complicated matters. On the other side, you need to communicate them in a simplified way so that people can understand it. If you talk about transfer prices, that's quite an, a science for itself. But you have to transport it in a way that everybody understands it in the last angle of the Bayersdorf world to make it right and to understand this is important and not something which bothers me from the head office. So I think that are all talents that you need. And from that point of view, you need the full package. It's not just you had this and this stations in your professional life, but it's also uh, how you work in the organization, how you work with people, how open are you, how well are you connected? What kind of relationships do you build up in your professional work? So I think um, that all goes into that job profile. But I think you're right, there is a certain focus on a certain way of career path. But I think there are also examples where people made it on a different path. And I think that is what's important, that there is openness. Sounds good and promising for me. I would like to come back uh, what you mentioned uh, when you uh, guided us uh, through your CV. You mentioned that when you were at Metro, you had the perception that women and men who are ambitious have been viewed and treated differently. Do you see changes since that time generally in that area? There is definitely a lot of change uh, that has happened. So we made a lot of progress in the last 10 years. But I think the discussion on diversity, the requisition of quotas, of giving really a fair share to women has very much changed that. You know? So I remember very well when the quota discussion started in Germany, I think it was like 10 or 11 years ago, everybody was against it. 
it was unbelievable, unacceptable. The moment the law was installed, everybody was a fan of it and found it reasonable and practical and the right timing to do it. So from that point of view, I think sometimes the politics have to set the frame and have to say, sorry, this is how it is. And then uh, I think the organizations live with it and accept it much quicker. I think what is also important that the whole work-life balance, family life, work-life organization gets more support for women. It gets easier, it gets better. Or on the other side, men are more included in that. Maybe that's maybe the better uh, way to follow Because I think in, on the practical side, for many younger women, that's still a big obstacle to really engage and pursue their career. So I think a lot has improved, but there is still some room uh, for improvement. And I think that is very important. For me, it's also about trust when it comes to this tackling also a female career when uh, they are in the phase um, setting their family and, and stuff like this. So, And this was also uh, the case during the last two years. You need a lot of trust when all the teams are in the home office and this is the same. So if the output and the outcome is really great, then for me as a leader in my department, it's not relevant if this is done um, during a normal normal hours day or uh, in the evening or if they pause at lunchtime for three hours to um, take care of their children to look after homework or stuff like this so for me it really is how they are able to do their job how the outcome is and if this is fine for me it's completely not necessary to be in the normal working hours or to really manage that in a certain way so everyone has a different way of working and if the outcome and the output is good and brings value to the business so it's not important how to achieve that or when and therefore um, I think trust in people but also giving space and supporting them is a key factor for me to also foster female career not only in finance but in all other areas but uh, as we work in finance we focus here on what we can manage. Maybe if I may just add here, what you describe is very much a very pure performance orientation. Yeah. Maybe you say, I look at performance and that is what counts. And maybe in finance, as we are facts oriented, maybe it's easier to really see the performance. And then, of course, when people deliver performance, I think the trust more or less follows. Or if you trust the people, they come back with a performance. Maybe you can see it from the two angles. But I think that is very important to focus on performance. That uh, solves a lot of the perceived issues and problems. Here then uh, there's also to focus on the leaders and the managers to make this happen. I guess this is uh, from both sides performance, of course, uh, from the certain uh, talent, but also uh, giving space and giving room to develop in that way. So to sum up for the first part on diversity diversity for me needs a special action it's not a given so managers and leaders need to work on uh, performance is uh, a key topic here so from both sides uh, letting that happen but also giving uh, back in terms of outcome and performance change and communication is also a driver for me for the diversity agenda and pledges and quotes are part of this this is a fact and therefore 
we need them to proceed here, but also on the qualitative part uh, of this topic. Yeah, maybe I would like to add one thing. I think mitigation of biases and prejudices. No, everybody has those. You cannot avoid it and have that sensitivity and that alertness to really ask also yourself, ask your colleagues or design decision making in a way that these biases get mitigated. I think that is really, really important because that's often the little nasty trap. No, you do everything according to the book and then just you get into that trap of biases, uh, maybe not your own, but those from others. And I think the mechanisms are very subtle and not easy uh, to see. So yeah. I would say that's also very important. I agree. We also want to focus a bit on networks and here I would like to kick off our discussion with a quote of Madeleine Albright, a former US Secretary of State, and she said in 2016, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. I asked myself when I saw this quote, is there a difference in using networks for women and men? So. How do you perceive that? And maybe you can also give some insights why you are part of the female CFO network and what you expect and what you give into this network. Yeah, as I'm not Catholic, I would not argue with hell, <laughs> but I would put it maybe more constructively. I think there is a moral obligation for every woman who has is successful, who has made a good career to help other women uh, to get the chance to really uh, get equal chances in the workplace. I think that is, uh, for me, um, also a task that I assume and a little bit of a moral obligation, maybe not as drastic as Madeleine Albright, but I think it's the same thing. For a long time, I really experienced that women shied a little bit away from that networking ne? because they thought maybe it's something negative, it's too much focused on the job, and maybe you are then unfair on the emotional, personal level. So it had a little bit of a negative tone to it. I think that has changed. Then in the next phase where women made networks with women and were very active and exchanged ideas. But I think uh, it, it's much more efficient and, and much more really uh, target-oriented to really build a network, not only women with women, but really women with men, different uh, persons, different skills, that you have that diversity idea also in your network building. And network isn't always you are part of a dinner club or a lunch club. Network is also you have a colleague or you have a business partner and you build a very good and trustful relationship with him or her. And maybe three years later, there is an incident where you talk to each other and that uh, reliable relationship kicks in. So I experienced that several times in my life by working well or having good interaction with colleagues or with peers or with business partners, I more or less seeded a seed and then I harvested that years later without just being part of the same Rotary or Lions Club. Yeah, Just by having that relationship building all the time. So I think that is, from my point of view, very important. There is a chance to network 
every day. And if you build trustful relationships, reliable relationships, that is a very strong network over the time. And maybe you don't know today what kind of network you will need in the future. So I would really recommend uh, to be very open in that. Also, of course, it's give and take. No? You have to also invest a little bit. I think that's also important. You can have networks like Rotary or Lions or, or women's networks. I think that's, of course, also an element. But I would very much advise or recommend to have an open approach to that, really in the sense of diversity. Yeah, I can completely echo that. Networking and going to every networking event is might be too much. So this is also something I would like to give as a kind of advice. You really should focus not on each and every dinner or lunch meeting and stuff like this. You need to prioritize. But network is really important to develop your career. So in my area, um, different kind of network. And, and here I would like to echo that, of course, a diverse network is really important. So I really have a big and good advisor network to also know uh, when it comes to a certain project who to call, where is a good advisor, especially in the international network, to have a good peer network when it uh, comes to certain situations and maybe law changes and stuff like this, but also female network, discussing career opportunities, share experiences, and kind of family and friends network, mirroring yeah, the personality, having the chance to discuss uh, topics, having uh, a safe community to discuss where you are, what you want, and what is maybe next. So there are, for me, different angles and different kinds of network I use. And as you mentioned, it's always a give and take. Sometimes it's more a give, sometimes it's a take. But uh, throughout my career so far, I really made use of networks. But I also need to learn how to build networks and how to take care of my network because you cannot take care of all the people at the same time with the same uh, time and passion. So this is also something throughout the career, learn how to take care of the network, prioritize a bit if you go there, speak there, being on every panel and every discussion but uh, also focus a bit on which network really helps when it comes to business and career networks. Yeah, and for me, it's really the reliable relationship, and that can be built up in very different ways. Yeah, and You described it with your advisors, your professional advisors, and there's always an angle where you build a personal relationship as well at some time. That is yeah. to really keep that in mind, and I think that is very important. Last but not least, we would also like to take a closer look on this topic, role models. Do we perceive ourselves as role models? Did we have some role models who guided us a bit? And how can we foster in our areas of responsibility, diverse career passes and finance? So for me, um, I don't know if I'm a role model, of course, um, I want to be throughout my career. I think on different steps, you have different chances to um, show with positive 
communication, positive performance and how you achieve that to other younger professionals away. This way does not uh, need to be the way for all people. But um, until now, I would perceive myself as a role model and now being a global head of tax and customs uh, for Beiersdorf. But also had a lot of role models uh, throughout my career, people uh, where I saw really great performance, great communication, great character. And from all these people, I tried to learn um, and, and use that to further develop my career steps, myself, my team, and also my topics and area of responsibility. Yeah, I think you cannot escape to be a role model. No? We are exposed in the organization. You are very high ranking in the hierarchy, not so many women, so you cannot escape that everybody knows who you are and everybody watches you. And I think that's for me also a very impressive uh, experience that the teams and then the colleagues and the employees, they see everything. You cannot, must not pretend that they don't see the things because everything you do is observed, is then also uh, assessed and people build their opinion on that. So I think that is something you cannot avoid from that point of view. Of course, everything, uh, at least in my role I do, I have really to reflect what is my my will or what is my target and what is also the perception that is linked to that. So that is something I have to think of in advance. So from that point of view, I think that's also for me important to observe myself and then really see what kind of signal could that send and, and what do I need maybe to adjust to then be in that role model that I want to be. So from that point of view, for my job, That's very much uh, the case, not only with regard to being a woman, but also with regard to being a CFO. So um, I think really self-reflection, but also observation of how others do it and learn from that, be it positive or negative. You mentioned it some minutes ago that also some of the role models you saw in your career were maybe also negative or not so positive examples. I think everybody has those experiences and it's always an occasion to say, okay, why does the person behave like that and what would I do? And then uh, also adjust the own behavior and, and also the own role model that I want to be according to that. No, sometimes you have an instinctive reaction and that can be taken quite negatively. Uh, when it comes to, to women in finance, I, I was very dedicated. I had the chance when I started here some nine years ago that in my team we had quite some retirements. So for me, I had the chance to say I want to have 50-50 men and women. And after one and a half years, I had that. And it's a great experience. And of course, we now have to roll that out to all the levels below. And for me, that's my internal guideline to say 50-50. That's the right mix. And that is where we want to go. Of course, it's still a way, uh, but I started it at the top. And also the male colleagues very much appreciate the atmosphere. Uh, it's a different way of discussing things. It's a different group dynamics. So from that point of view, I think um, you have to be dedicated and really also make the steps and demonstrate to the organization what you want and what you're standing for. Then I think the positive echo comes along. Sounds uh, really great and uh, also great to hear that you really early on had the chance to work on this 50-50 um, 
gender bit. We are still working on that, but it's uh, also a goal uh, we have. We, in addition, at Bayersdorf set up a new Bayersdorf female leadership and finance program started uh, this year. And um, this female leadership program is meant to be a mentoring and network program from female talent uh, within finance. We want to foster exposure because sometimes there is not enough exposure to really being seen as a talent. We want to also accelerate uh, development, so means faster talent development, really uh, focus on the talents and really working on the leadership part, communication and stuff like this. And um, yeah, we also want to grow our female tenant uh, through a broader network because the first participants of the program, 11 female talents, are from different countries, uh, different finance functions, including expert functions. That means uh, also different skill sets. And we also looked that we have talents across all the segments there to really have a also here diverse group of female talent to exchange, to grow together, to learn from each other from different perspectives. Um, so also from different countries. And I'm also very happy because We were asked uh, to nominate that uh, we also have tax expert uh, in, in this uh, female talents group. Um, so my nominee made it to that group. So we also really uh, looked on all the finance functions there. It's not focusing on really this maybe uh, normal finance uh, career path uh, where you focus a lot on uh, controlling and uh, accounting people, but also want to capture international talent, expert talent, so all the finance, female talents to grow and uh, also develop further. And I myself, uh, I'm mentee of one of uh, the CFOs of this network and I also mentor for two uh, young female talents. So try to learn further because learning curve never should be parallel. To, um, so um, it's an ongoing learning and getting better, but also want to give it back to uh, some mentees I have and develop their career discuss uh, and being a sparrings partner in tricky situations or sometimes also in technical situations both are in accounting and tax so in finance it's not only the personal part but sometimes also they are asking me for a, a technical view on things yeah that's a great initiative we have that more like a finance community so a little bit broader not so much focus on women or a women's career so our diversity initiatives here in the finance department, they are part of the overall uh, company initiatives. Uh, for us, I think that's more suitable as we also want to overcome silo thinking between finance and other functions in Evonik. So from that point of view, focusing on finance would maybe not help enough in our case. But for the whole finance function, we have also a network uh, idea since many, many years uh, with the finance community exactly where people exchange across borders, across functions. Uh, so I think we have a little bit of a different approach, uh, but the elements more or less are there. Yeah. So to sum up, every career path is diverse and different. It's important to really know who you are, what you want and how to approach it and who can help you. For me, diversity as such is not a given. It's not just done alongside. 
it's sometimes challenging and also time consuming. It also needs good leadership and role models and change of mindset and sometimes courage. That would be my final statement. Ute, yeah. do you want to sum up from your end? Yeah, I have a more general conclusion. It's a German proverb. Everyone is the architect of their own future. So no, you really have it in your own hands. And that means you also have to do something. Nobody else will do it for you. But I think when it comes to diversity, of course, the system, uh, the companies and, and the society has to open up the chances. But the women also have to bring their contribution and, and also have to work to get their chances and to make the world also uh, maybe better in a way, have more equal chances uh, in organizations and society. Thanks, Ute. I would like to close now our podcast with saying uh, thank you. First of all, I would like to thank you, Ute, being uh, my guest and my ally in our discussion today. Great insights in your views and perceptions. I would like to thank you, of course, to the team who took care of all the technical settings and creating a super atmosphere for Uta and myself. And of course, a big thank you to you, dear listeners. Thanks for tuning in. In the next podcast, my current boss, Astrid Hermann, CFO of Biasdorf AG, will be the guest CFO. So stay tuned. Check out her view and development and her view on a future finance function. Thanks again and bye bye. Yeah, thank you very much as well. All the best to you all and see you next time. Female CFO Network, the podcast.